Over the next couple months, we have an incredible sponsor that I'm going to keep telling you about. It's Yukon River Knives. Yukon River Knives exists to support missions work in rural Alaska by providing outdoor enthusiasts with premium quality knives. A portion of every purchase goes to helping advance the gospel in rural villages in Alaska. Featuring both handmade and high-quality production knives, Yukon River Knives has curated some of the finest and most useful knives in the market. Go check out their products at yukonriverknives.com and enter Shepherd's Crook at purchase for a coupon code and a 15% discount. As you guys know, in the past, I've worked with Buck Knives. Now, I love Buck Knives, but there's a difference with a knife like that, a mass-produced knife, and the Yukon River Knives. When I think about Yukon River Knives, I'm thinking about a knife that I can give down as a legacy piece to one of my grandsons, and I'm looking forward to that. Also, their small game knife is going to be my primary knife that I use for whitetail season this year and for my boar hunting trip in the early spring. Their knives feel great in the hand, and you can just tell looking at it and the feel of it that it's a well-balanced, great knife with a sharp edge, and it's going to last for a lifetime, and not just my lifetime, but multiple lifetimes. Yes, you can go buy another stock knife, or you can check out what Yukon River's doing and get you a nice, quality, premium knife that you're going to be able to hand down to your grandkids. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. I hope you guys are all doing well today. I want to remind you of Yukon River Knives. You just heard about it if you're listening on iTunes or any sort of podcast platform. But if you're watching on Gab, reminder, go check out Yukon River Knives. The link is in the show notes. If you want a quality knife that's going to last you for generations, and then you're going to be able to pass it on to your great or your kids, grandkids, great-grandkids, whoever you want to pass it on to, and it's going to last for them as well, you can check out a premium knife from a group of Christian men that have been doing uh, this work for a while and giving proceeds, some of the proceeds from the sales of these knives to missions work in Alaska. It's just a really cool, everything about Yukon River Knives is just a really cool thing. So you guys want to check that out, follow that link and use the Shepherd's Crook, or not the Shepherd, forget the the, Shepherd's Crook as the coupon code and you can get 15% off. Okay, today I'm going to give a word of caution to the patriarchy movement, which I'm so thankful for all that God's been doing in the recovery of father rule and the understanding of living as men and living as women as God has designed us to live without apology. I love it. I'm for it doing everything I can to promote it, but I want to have one word of caution, but let's go ahead and pray and ask for the Lord's help. Father, we just thank you for your kindness to us. We ask for your leadership. Holy Spirit, point us to Jesus. Help us to be faithful to your word. And if there's these words of caution that are going to resonate with some, I pray that they would, and they would bring conviction, not condemnation, but they would help us as we move forward as men and women and as families as you've called us to. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, first, as stated, I'm so thankful for the patriarchy movement. You think about the Christian world that's been on the leading front end, kind of the, the point of the spear here in the Christian world, talking about a recovery of father rule in the household. We think, I'm so thankful for Michael Foster. I've had him on the show several times. So thankful for Eric Kahn, Brian Silvey, and Dan Burkholder, all the guys that have been working so hard at promoting re- just the recovery of gendered piety. You think of Rich Lusk with that terminology. I used to talk about how gender is not, or excuse me, that sanctification is not genderless, that to be a believer,
believer requires you to be a believer, a follower of Christ as a man or as a woman. There's not androgynous commands uh, given to males and females. Sometimes we have these commands given to both of us, but then when, when God directs his attention towards men and, and commissions them and prohibits them and directs his attention towards women and commissions them and prohibits them, these are gender-specific commands. So there is no such thing as genderless Christ-likeness. We have to follow Christ as men and as women. Sanctification is engendered. There's no such thing as Christian sanctification apart from uh, our maleness or femaleness. <clears throat> so, I love the patriarchy movement, but I do have one word of caution, and it's in this area of mission first. And so, I, I think it's important for us, when we talk about a man needs to get a mission, Foster and, and non-tenant have talked a lot about this, we, we think about a man with a mission, and then generally speaking, what we end up thinking is that the men get this vision for life that they're going to have regardless of whether or not the woman is in the man's life and regardless of whether or not that woman is going to attach herself to that man and the, the two shall become one flesh. It's this mission that is a mission first before family, before anything else that the man is on, that he's called to and that he's running towards. And it's a good thing for a man to have a mission. But I think it's important that we understand that God gives us mission as men and the mission that God gives us as men is the exact same mission that he gives to every man in the history of the world. And I think it's important for us to understand the way God uses the man then is going to be unique. But I think the word of caution that I, I really want to push towards is the same word of caution that could go to churches in general. And let me just bring it to churches quickly because I think when we think about this in the context of the local church, we can all begin to nod our heads. And then what I want to do is take this application to the local church and then bring it over and address the man and then give the gentle or the word of caution towards the patriarchy movement that I think is being made quite regularly at the cost, unfortunately, of wives and and families at times. Okay, so let me just think. Of, uh, let me just throw it out like this: You guys have all been a part of churches, or, or been in a, in a room where you've been strategizing at some point in uh, the history of your ministry. And I know I certainly have been in, in the room where you're strategizing about what is our mission as a church. So you get vision statements and mission statements, and you want to make sure and, and you hit the bullseye on what our our uh, vision is, and then our, what our mission is, or what our purpose statement is, and you want to make this as memorable as possible to the people, and we just really want to narrow down to the bedrock of why we exist as a church, as this local church, and we want to get a vision for this local church, and then articulate that in our mission statement, and then build everything we, around we, what we do around that mission statement, because this is why we exist as a church. This is who we're going after. This is our target audience, and then this local assembly gets laser-focused as the pastor is the spearhead of this mission. And if you're not on this mission, if you're not on board with this thing, well then, by golly, you can go to another church where there's another mission, there's another vision that really fits what you feel you want to be a part of. We've all been around that sort of thing. Many of us have anyways. Or at least we've all heard about that sort of thing because we've heard about seeker-sensitive movements. We've heard about Acts 29. We've heard about uh, movements in, in churches that put on conferences about how to find your mission and how to find your vision or read, read books about finding the specific vision or mission of your church. Okay, blah, blah, blah. And then many of you have stumbled across Life Together by Dietrich Bonhoeffer and you've read this quote and it hits you like electric shock and you never forgot it. And if you've never heard it yet, here is your day to hear it. Here's what Dietrich Bonhoeffer said in Life Together. God hates visionary dreaming. It makes the dreamer proud and pretentious, the man who fashions a visionary ideal of community and demands that to be realized by God, by others, and by himself. 
He enters a community of Christians with his demands and he sets up his own law and judges the brethren and God himself accordingly. He stands adamant, a living reproach to all others in the circle of brethren. He acts as if he is the creator of Christian community, as if his dream binds men together. When things don't go his way, he calls the effort a failure. When his ideal picture is destroyed, he sees the community going to smash. So he becomes first an accuser of the brethren, then an accuser of God, and finally, the despairing accuser of himself. Now, many of you remember the first time that you read that, or the first time that you heard that. And if today is the first time you've ever heard that, you're welcome. It's such a phenomenal quote by Bonhoeffer, and it really begins to shatter this uh, idea of what the local church is and what a pastor is. And I think he hits the nail on the head here that we are not to be visionary dreamers and we are not to lay our expectations on people and then build our idea around people. That is a really good way to use people, not to love people. That is a really good way to manipulate people, not to love people. It's a really good way to have some sort of profit complex, some sort of visionary leader complex, some sort of CEO complex that thinks that I'm the man, I've got the vision, I'm the man of God, I'm the prophet. I'm Moses. It's a really good way to have a Moses model in a local church. And what's been so wonderful and freeing for me is to realize that Jesus is the visionary dreamer of the church. Jesus is the lead pastor of the church. Jesus is the chief shepherd of the church. And Jesus is the one that has given every single local church their vision, their mission, their purpose. And every single church, local church, in, in other words, is not free to just be innovative, to go out and find their own mission. They have been given by God to them their mission already. And the responsibility of local elders is to come around the mission that God has given us. We exist to glorify God and enjoy Him forever, and we demonstrate that through living out the Great Commission after repentance and faith and submitting our lives and denying ourselves and taking up our cross and following Him. We assemble it together in groups called local churches under, uh, under proper eldership and under the proper administration of the ordinances. And then we follow as a group of people who are going to hold each other accountable in church discipline. And we want to worship together and then assemble together and then be sent out on mission. The mission that Jesus has given us, not the mission that the pastor has given us. Because pastors are to be historic, they're to be biblical, and elder teams are to be historic and biblical and to understand the mission that Jesus has given us. We've all got the Great Commission, right? Now, here's what ends up happening. Local churches get used by God in specific ways. And God will use a local church, and all of a sudden you see either a lot of older people together or a lot of younger people together or what you'll see is inner city mission work and or what you'll see is rural mission work or something like that and you'll see God use a particular local assembly in a certain way but that's not to say that that church had the liberty to go out and just build their own mission statement because we have a mission statement we have the great commission we have these obligations given to us by God that are to be that every single local assembly is to be united with we're not just free to go out. okay you guys get the point Okay, that visionary dreaming is a dangerous thing. And here's the gentle word of caution to the patriarchy movement. Men, you have power. And if you don't wield that power into submission to Christ, you will do the same thing that bad pastors do to churches and bad elder teams do to churches, but you'll do that to your family. And you'll use your mission, mission first, mission first, my mission, I'm the leader, I'm the one that's got authority here, and all those things are true. But if you think you have the liberty to go out and build your own mission, find your own mission, and think that God's going to just give you a mission that's unique to any other man in the world, and then you're going to demand that your wife and your kids be on this mission with you, 
a mission that is a figment of your own imagination that you're using to mallet over people, then, then brother, you're in the wrong. And you've got to have that mission and, and that vision submitted to King Jesus. And you're not going to use that mission and vision as a mallet if you're submitted to him in that way. And if you can get this one thing in your mind, just like churches and elder teams need to get in their mind, that they don't have the liberty to go out and be a visionary leader. You don't get to go out and be a visionary patriarch. Let me explain what I mean. God has been so gracious to you, so kind to you, to give you a mission. When we say mission first, what are we talking about? And I want to give you a mission, a biblical mission that's going to be, that everyone's going to agree on. And this is a mission for a lifetime. And God's going to use your family in unique ways. And as you work hard, God's going to bless the fruit of your hands in different ways that he's going, then he's going to bless the fruit of my hands, unique ways, personal ways. He's going to help your family and guide your family and provide for your family in the way he sees fit. But here is your mission. And this is the mission of every patriarch. This isn't the mission of some patriarch. You don't have a, you don't have the liberty to go out and find your own mission. It's going to work itself out. God's going to open doors that he's not going to open for, for me. And he's going to make things personal. Okay? But here is your mission, patriarchs. Number one, you have the responsibility, by the grace of God, to live for his glory and enjoy him forever. This is the mission of every man. You have been created by Jesus and for Jesus. First and foremost, your mission is to live for the glory of your king all the days of your life. That's why you exist. You exist for that. And that's going to be demonstrated then in this great commission. You're going to be submitting to living as a disciple maker, as an evangelist and disciple maker the rest of your life. You're going to be proclaiming. You're going to be baptizing. You're going to be teaching. And you're going to be doing that forever. And that's going to be demonstrated in different ways. And you're going to be teaching all the commands of Christ and that's going to primarily happen through the family unit. That's why there's a great commission and connection with the creation mandate that Genesis 1 and, Gen and, and, and Matthew 28 go walk right hand in hand. But your first and foremost mission is glorify God, enjoy Him forever, submit to Him, and be a baptized man and follow Jesus, learning His commands as you are being discipled by others. And this great commission work is going to go in and through you. That is the mission that God has given you. That's going to be demonstrated in the creation mandate. Okay, so the Great Commission, the, 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 the creation mandate. When you get into Genesis chapter 1, God gives us this from the out, from, from the, just the beginning. And what does he say? God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the ever-living thing that lives and moves on the earth. There you go. There's your vision. There's your mission. There's your purpose. That's how the Great Commission work is going to be demonstrated. It's going to be through bearing fruit and multiplying as God blesses you in that. It's going to be taking dominion in this world. It's going to be leading and serving and sacrificing. It's going to be working hard. These are things that every patriarch must be submitted to. You don't have the liberty to go out and say, ah, this is my mission, this is my purpose, because you're submitted to Jesus. You're in his mission, his purpose. And then we know that God has created the man to work and keep the garden. Every single, uh, the mission of every patriarch is to work hard. This is going to be, again, as God opens doors, as personal as each man, and as God shuts doors. You're going to work hard, and you're going to take the opportunities that God has given you, but work and keep 
the garden, work and keep those who are around you, this is what you are called to do. This is your mission. This is why you exist. This is your purpose, to work and keep the garden, to protect Eve, to provide for your family. Worship, work, protect, provide, lead, love. This is, this is what you're called to do. Now, if you miss this, if you don't do this, and if you go out and get your own mission, here's what I'm afraid of. Here's, what I'm, uh, here's the caution. If you're not submitted with your purpose, patriarch, you're going to use your family. You're not going to love your family. You're not going to disciple your children. You're going to use them to be on mission with you. You're going to drive your wife into the ground all the while saying mission first without seeing that she's a part of your mission. The family unit, leaving an inheritance to your children's children. What is it? Proverbs 13. I think I've got it here. Proverbs 13, 22. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children and the wealth of sinners is stored up for the righteous. Okay, this, this is this is what we want. Our, our, we have obligations to our family and to our children and to our children's children. They are a part of the mission. They are not simply uh, getting in the way of your mission. And that's the word of caution. You have to see that you are submitted to Jesus, his purpose, his mission. You don't have the liberty, just like a church doesn't have the liberty to go out and make your own vision statement. You don't get to do that. You get to do what God has called you to do. And a part of that is your wife and your children. So don't don't run them ragged crying out mission first. You'll be sinning against your God. Okay, guys, thanks so much for listening. I hope this has been helpful. Men, we need patriarchs submitted to Jesus and honoring him and not going about being this free agent out there running around just defining your own life and finding your own way. You want to be submitted to the Lord and honor him and do what every single Christian man is called to do. And, uh, and I tell you what, the church and the world is going to be better for it. We need men like that in this world. And uh, the families will benefit from that. If the families will be crushed if you go out screaming mission first and drag them along. You've got to see that they're a part of the mission. Okay, guys, thanks so much for listening. Please like, sub- subscribe, share. I hope this has been helpful. Please leave a rating or review and reach out to me. I'd love to hear from you, hear feedback from you, and, uh, and love to get to know you a little bit. Have a good rest of your day.